Hey everyone, welcome back to the M&M Hockey Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Alex Metzger. Along with me is my co-host, Chase McCallum. And we have a busy, busy, busy week of free agency to break down. Uh, at the point of recording, I think the biggest names still out there are Mike Hoffman and Evgeny Dadanov are probably the two. Um, I'm trying to think if there's any yeah, other real... Yeah, like there's no other real big names I don't think left. There's a few, but... Um, yeah, so we'll break down kind of everything that has um, has happened um, and just kind of give our thoughts on it. So I figure we'll go team by team quickly just through the division. So we'll start in the Atlantic. Uh, so we start with the Boston Bruins, and um, we'll just kind of talk about what they did. They lost uh, Tori Krug, obviously. They're still in talks with uh, Zdeno Chara, um, and they uh, they signed their, their big addition, I would say, um, was Craig Smith three years, three point one million dollars? Uh, what do you What are your thoughts on that? Do the Boston Bruins have the best forward group in the NHL now? I think they have one of them. I mean, um, I don't know. Like it just depends on regression, I guess. But also, are they about to have the worst defense group of all the playoff teams when they inevitably make it? Yeah, like they – I was shocked that they weren't in on Petrangelo uh, once once Krug walked away. And apparently they rescinded their offer to Krug too. So uh, you really wonder what's up there. Um, but, you know, right now they have McAvoy, Carlo, uh, Grizzlick, Clifton, Lawson, and Moore. And uh, you would assume Charles resigned there, but it was sounding kind of up in the air a little while ago about whether that was going to be a for sure thing or not. And, like, even if Chara does sign, he doesn't make this group better. Like, he doesn't make it worse, I don't think. No, he's not – like, he's not the top two upgrade that he was years ago – or a couple years ago, though, that's for sure. Yeah. Like uh, – McAvoy's good, but I guess he's really going to get put to the test this year. Craig Smith for $3.1 million seems like a steal, though. It's funny how going into free agency, everybody was like, that's going to be the steal of free agency, and it ended up being the steal by a mile. Yeah, like it's, uh, it's not even close. Like it, that is just uh, um, like one of, one of the best contracts I think I've seen given out. Like that, that's insane value. Uh, Craig yeah. Smith is very underrated. It's perfect because the pushback to players like Craig Smith being good, and by players like Craig Smith, I mean – players who with fantastic underlying numbers without gaudy point totals. So people just blindly assume they probably aren't. But like, people will be like, well, it's a competition thing. Well, the glory of Craig Smith going to the Boston Bruins is he's not going to play top lines on the Boston Bruins either. So he can just keep doing what he was doing in Nashville. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. It's uh that's a great contract. I really think something else has to be on the way though. Like, I would think so, unless they're going like eight years with the Brusque, but I would be really skeptical of that, especially because they've randomly decided they wanted to punt on Brusque at some point in this because his name kept popping up in trade rumor. Yeah, I know, and uh, I don't like I, I like they they need to they have ten million cap space right now. That's without signing Brusque. but there was also I don't know, rumors of trading to Karask. I don't think that'll happen, but like I don't know. It's uh, I, it's I. I in bed when he was like, yeah, I would retire if I was anywhere else. Yeah, literally. Um, so, I don't know. Like, it's as much as I thought Krug was going to get overpaid, we'll get into that contract in a bit, but, like, it really hurts their defense core not having him there. Yeah, it looks very ugly very quickly. The worst, like, I don't even know what else they could do. Like, 
say Chara comes back for two million, and you have like three million on a one or two year deal for DeBrusque, giving you like five million in space. Like, there's not even any obvious defenseman available. No, I mean, there wasn't, I mean, it was a pretty not great crop to begin with once you got past Petrangelo and I guess Brody, but, uh, you know, like I'm just trying to, I'm going right now by defenseman on, on cap friendly and like, who are you spending your money on here? Andy Green, Sammy Vatnin, Carl Alsner, Cody Cece, like, no, thank you. Replace Krug as a power play guy if you get Vatnin for like super cheap, maybe. Unless they're just waiting for the deadline. The Bruins do love buying at the deadline and they have all of their picks. So Yeah, that could be possible. Um looking at Tampa Bay, the defending cup champions. Uh they haven't there's still definitely more moves to come with them. They got a bunch of RFAs to sign, so you would assume that uh trades will be uh made unconfirmed technically, but it sounds like Patrick Maroon. Two years, 900K, so he's happy just staying in Tampa, playing near close to league minimum, uh, and cup hunting a couple more times. And Luke Shen, one year, 800K. Uh, and then they waive Tyler Johnson, and they can't seem to find a destination for him right now. So he, his future's up in the air as well. Yeah, would you? what would you give up for Tyler Johnson? Is the team acquiring him? Yeah. No, nothing. I, would only... I was going to say, like, that's back for that Tyler Johnson. Yeah, and so well, the latest I had heard was that um, they didn't quite, they haven't quite wanted to give assets back up. So I, I don't know if that'll change. I assume as you get closer, it's going to have to change. But like, I would the think, dude, like, the, oh, go ahead. Sorry. Like they could trade Johnson and still not have enough space for their RFAs. Oh yeah, they'll probably have to get rid of someone else too. Like. And I don't know, like, if I'm a team acquiring Johnson, he's got, what, four more years at $5 million? And he had 31 points in 65 games and seven points in 25 games in the playoffs this year for the stacked Tampa Bay Lightning. So it's like he was at – in 90 games, he scored under 40 points. Like, that's that's a lot of money to be taken on for a guy who is over th- or is 30 years old and you're going to be getting definitely the uh, declining years of his career. Yeah, and he's one of those guys, like, it's too bad that the salary cap exists because, like – he is a serviceable player. He's probably league average-ish, but like you just don't want to be playing a league average-ish player who's 30 years old that for four more years. No, not at all. So um, definitely more moves to come with them. I, uh, I don't have a ton to say. I mean, the Maroon signing I like, the Shen signing I don't really, but they need warm bodies, I guess, and that's what at 800K Shen will give you. Yeah. But, yeah, the Tampa Bay Lightning we basically have to wait on because – they still need to free up so much more space. You can't judge their offseason now because they're clearly not done. Yeah, I agreed. Um, Toronto Maple Leafs, they made a couple big signings, and they had a trade as well. So start with um, the free up from cap space. They sent Andreas Janssen to the New Jersey Devils for um, – uh, what was the dude's name? Uh, 22-year-old – one second – uh, 22-year-old Joey Anderson from what I hear, he might be a depth guy and maybe a bottom six at some point uh, going forward, but I think it's pretty fair to say the Devils got the better of this. This was a cap dump for the Leafs. Yeah, I don't know in what world Andreas Johnson is worth an AHLer and Kasparri Kapanen is worth the first pick, but apparently it's the one we're living in. Yeah, um, so that's one of the things I was going to bring up is as bad as this trade looks, well, not even bad. Like, it, it makes enough sense. It, it sucks. It's just the pandemic world. But um, as um, mediocre as some of these salary cap moves, because other teams have made similar, like, deals, as mediocre as they've looked, uh, that Kasperi Kapanen trade just looks freaking amazing now. 
Yeah, like there's they still come out as like a net good combination of trades, which is impressive because they gave up Johnson for nothing. Yeah, and but like the fifteenth overall pick, and especially when you just look around at what everyone else is getting for their players, like that is that is very impressive. Yeah, like the teams are having to pay other teams to take competent players, so like it's not anything to complain about. And when the cap space goes to their they finally get a right side defenseman, I guess not right handed defenseman, but still. Yeah, uh, the, so right side, a guy who plays the right, but he's actually left-handed. But uh, T.J. Brody's played the right his whole career. Um, I think this fits what Toronto's looking for. I think this uh, – I don't think – I'm a little hesitant because I said that about Tyson Berry last year too, and that was a disaster. But I am pretty confident that this uh, gives their team a very marginal – or a very obvious upgrade. Yeah, exactly. And Brody actually has like, strong defensive numbers. People – like there's the easiest soundbite in the world to be like, well, I'm worried to see him away from Brody or uh, Giordano as if he hasn't played like thousands of minutes away from Giordano over his career. Yeah, um, I would be, you know, it's something to be a little like if you told me he's not quite as good as he was in Calgary, it wouldn't shock me. But I think he is, uh, what, the Leafs' obvious third best defenseman and by a mile? Yeah, like like he's a top pair guy right now. He's like a Muzzin style top pair guy. Yeah. He's- Distinctly a two, not even not close to a one, but like. But that gives, two. I think um, you know, I, I think it was TSN was doing it, but um, that gives the uh, Leafs three very obvious uh, top two guys, like uh, top pair guys. Even though I think it was TSN said, you know, Muzzin's more of a second pair guy. I don't agree with that at all. No, there are not sixty-four defensemen in the league better than Jake Muzzin. Yeah. So. Um, I don't. I'm still. They signed Zach Bogosian as well. I really hope he. They don't. He doesn't see the ice uh, 82 times a year. I mean, as a Sens fan, I do. But um, <laughs> just in terms of like roster management, I would be hoping that you know he plays on back-to-backs and just you know if you're playing maybe not as skilled of a team um, where you know it might be more physical of a game, then sure send him in. Yeah, like we've seen with football, it's important to have depth this year with COVID. So if they truly view Bogosian as a seven, then like whatever. It's such a low cost, doesn't matter. But if they're going to play Bogosian in their top six and hold someone like Dermot gets traded so that Bogosian can play on the third pair right side, that's a disastrous contract. Yeah, that's uh, one of those where it's like the contract itself's not bad. It's just the usage of them. But this is one of the very few teams in the league. I'm holding out hope that probably he won't be used like that. But we will definitely have to wait and see. That's for sure. Yeah. Um, but and again, then, like uh, Simmons thing. Like it looks like dude just wants Boomer Twitter to shut up. Yeah, literally. Um, that's kind of what I was saying. Uh, I was about to say with the next one too. They. Uh, Sign Wayne Simmons to a one-year, $1 million deal or $1.5 million deal. Um, again, like, I, I think it's okay. I I, uh, I saw a lot of people absolutely praising it. Like, this was the biggest no-brainer that could have ever happened. And I, uh, I'm not going to go that far because I don't know how much he actually has left in the tank. Um, but then I also saw people that were like, yeah, this is the stupidest waste of money I've ever seen, which I'm not going to go that far either. I think it's kind of – it's all right. Like, I don't know. It's, it could work out. I, I don't see him playing above the fourth line. Um, so if you have fourth line of him, Spezza and Engvall or Travis Boyd, like that seems like an okay fourth line to me. Yeah. Like 
it's such a low AAV that it can't possibly be that bad, but that doesn't mean it's good either. Like it's probably not going to be a good contract either. Yeah, like I don't see him like I think what was it, Spezza provided like a win above replacement or something like that for league minimum last year. I don't see it being like that, but I definitely am fine with, you know, changing. I, I do kind of buy into um, um, the fact that, you know, not all four lines have to be the same. All four lines can do something different as long as all four lines can actually somewhat kind of put the puck in the net. And I think um, with a little bit of skill on his line too, Wayne Simmons can still kind of do that. You know, he, he'll get to the net and, you know, if you have, if you play guys around him who um, have some skill, I think you'll be fine. Yeah, like people were saying that Wayne Simmons is a terrible stylistic fit with the Leafs, which I do agree with. But, like, it's not like he's going to be – if he was playing with Matthews and Marner, then it would be, like, an atrocious stylistic fit. But, like, Jason Spets isn't exactly just torching guys wide out there either on the fourth line. So Yeah, that, that's the exact thing. It's like, yeah, sure, the Leafs we think of now, but everyone's complaining about how they get tougher to play against or whatever. And – if you have a fourth line of guys who are not even have to be big, but just play somewhat physical, um, you know, then suddenly your not identity changes, but one of the lines identity change, you know, they also signed Jimmy VC, who I'm assuming will just be a deaf forward. So, and Travis Boyd. So, you know, their forward core is going to look something like Matthews, Nylander, Hyman, Tavares, Marner, uh, Mikheyev. And then I would assume Kerfoot, Engvall, Robertson, maybe, and Spezza, Boyd and Simmons on the fourth line with, BC alternating in there. I'm a little worried the forward depth is going to get really ugly really fast. Like and that, unless Nick Robertson is ready to go, <laughs> this this could get ugly. Um, yeah, I don't know. It depends. It, Robertson and McKay are the two big uh, question marks to me. Um, yeah. or McKay just like way better than I think he is. But and Boyd's really like I have no problem with the Boyd contract. I think he is just a serviceable fourth line. Like I wouldn't be worried. They're not going to have the best fourth line in the league or anything like that, but I don't think their fourth line is anything to worry about. I would be a little bit worried third. about their stick forward and their third line because uh, I, I don't know. I think Kerfoot takes way too much crap from Lee Twitter. I think he's exactly what he was supposed to be last year. And I don't know why people thought he should have been more like I thought he had a fine year last year. I really don't see how people said he had some terrible adjusting here, but um, but past that, you need uh, Robertson or Engvall to be uh, both of them, ideally, to be third third line forwards. Um, but I don't know. I also heard some not talk. I was one of the questions I, I do have, and I don't know. Maybe Matthews doesn't fit like this, but you see what McDavid does, and you see what Crosby does, where it's like you can just throw not two bums, but two third line forwards on his wing, and they'll go and work and get on the puck and feed it out front. And to, to me, that's kind of what Hyman is. But if you say if you had someone like maybe. I don't know, like Engvall, not saying Engvall necessarily, and it allowed you to bump someone like William Nylander down to play with Kerfoot. I really wonder if that would do this team a lot of wonders if Matthews could hold his own with two guys who you would not consider first-line forwards. Yeah, judging by how good he was at driving play both offensively and defensively last year, I would love to see them try that even though William Nylander's point totals would go down. And of course that would be a fucking shit show on Twitter, but yeah, I mean like, I'm not saying you have to, you have to stick to that. You could try for four games. If it doesn't work out, you switch, but like, like, I don't know. I, I just think uh, seeing that would be interesting instead of um, 
just playing the same top six literally all year and then wondering why your third line sucks. Like it kind of felt like it was last year. I'd probably rather see them do it with Tavares because we know like a hundred percent certain that guys have played with Tavares and then gone on to be nobody's elsewhere. See, but at this point in his career, I would much rather just take the chance with Austin because we've seen that with 26 year old Tavares and I don't think he's washed or anything like that, but I'd still rather give him not as much help as he needs, but at least one guy to play with him at age 30. I think he'll be 31 when the season starts. Yeah, that's fair. The Leafs also pretty clearly don't trust Marner to drive a line. So it would have to be Nylander going down. And I don't really love him with Kerfoot. Yeah, but I mean, like, that. I don't know. Like if Marner's driving your quote unquote third line, I think that might work differently too. Like, I don't know. Maybe they won't try it. But if you did something like Matthews, Hyman, name a winger up top and then Nylander Tavares and name your second winger right there. Right. And then you had Kerfoot Marner and like Robertson or something like I'd be at least interested to see how that would work for a handful of games. Yeah. I would, I would like to see them try to get creative at very least. I don't know exactly what the combinations would look like, but right now it looks like they have a very classic good bottom six and mad or good top six mad bottom six. Whereas I like the three-line attack if it's possible. Yeah, I mean, you saw what worked for Pittsburgh in those cups and just like um, even, you know, St. Louis, it was all four lines that were kind of rolling um, in a trying to not be a, a hockey man uh, interview kind of way, but uh, quote-unquote all four lines rolling. Um, and even, you know, this past year with Tampa, it's like they had depth all the way down their lineup to the point where their third line was playing first line minutes again, you know, checking the other team's line. If you could figure out how to get skill like that all the way down your lineup, it, it would probably do wonders to your team. Yeah. And I should say, I guess their fourth line should be one of the better fourth lines in the league too. It is very specifically just the third line. That is a concern right now. Yeah. The third line is the one thing that I think they really need to show. Like I would, if the fourth line is atrocious, that would be, unless it's just, obvious age regression I guess but I just I don't see a scenario where the fourth line is so bad it costs you too many games yeah like if any if anything I expect it to be a strength obviously your fourth line can only be so much of a strength because they don't play all that much but it's still better to have a good one than a bad one especially when they're all this cheap yeah exactly so um yeah and then yeah you look at the decor Jake Muzzin uh Morgan Riley TJ Brody some combination of Travis Dermott, Justin Hall, uh, the dude from the Finnish guy who's playing the KHL right now, uh, Bogosian. And so they're going to have six or seven D-men. Um, you know, Callie Rosen, Rasmus Sandin, Timothy Lilgren are all options. So they have a lot of uh, potential options here. And that's one of the things, again, you saw with COVID this year with, you know, other sports where you need a lot of depth. Um, I, I think they are pretty set for that right now to start the year anyways. Yeah. Like, they have three top pairing D and then, like, seven guys who are, like, within error bars of a five probably somewhere. Yeah, somewhere around there. Um, so, you know, if one of, one or two of their top D-men go down, they're hurting bad. But, again, I think you can say that about every team, but four of three of them in the league? Like, so. Yeah, exactly. The team is really that willing. So like, if – and they're at least kind of spread out. Like, they at least have three top pair guys, whereas in Tampa, like, if Hedman goes down or if McAvoy goes down in Boston, that's, like, their one gun. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't know. I, I think this is – this will be an interesting Leafs team. Uh, we'll talk about more of what we see of them coming up in a couple of weeks. But uh, let's move on to Florida. Uh, surprisingly busy team, you know, making a couple – 
I thought okay signings. So, you know, for a team that uh, we heard was maybe going to get rid of a lot of money this offseason, uh, I don't know what their actual budget in, budget out has been, but I've liked their offseason. Uh, somewhat, anyways. Like, more than I thought I would. Yeah, it's been all right. And they still have that ton of cap space, so maybe they are still trying to adhere to that budget. But Yeah, I mean, I mean but, you know, so they picked up uh, Hornquist. We talked about that. We thought that was an okay addition. Um, they picked up Vinny Hinestroza. Um, for one million, I really like that pickup. I think Inostros is a really, really underrated player. Uh, Carter Verhage, two years, one mil. That's a fine depth piece as well. Um, and then on the back end, they got Marcus Nudavara and Radko Gudis, which I, I like Nudavara quite a bit. Um, Gudis, I don't really know what he brings you now, but 2.5 mil is not that bad of a contract either. So if he's your fifth defenseman, you're still looking okay, I guess. Yeah, like he's a body back there. And it looks like they're trying to trade Uyghur, so. That I don't really understand. I uh, Maybe it's money reasons, but I don't really understand why. Like, Uyghur makes your defense core better, not worse. So I, I don't know if you're getting much value for him at this point. Yeah, like, I'd rather have Uyghur than Radko Gudis. And I assume Uyghur's not getting, like, a $4 million contract, unless I'm misreading the situation. But I don't think he has a ton of leverage, right? I don't think so. I mean, I'm going to go to contract projections on evolving hockey. They've been like deadly accurate with some of these as well. Um, yeah. The thing Uyghur's best at doesn't get you paid. Yeah, exactly. He's a defensive defenseman. So, um, oh, they don't have him. That's unfortunate. They don't have him uh, available for some reason. Well, that's odd. Um, what if we try that? Yeah, I don't know why he's uh, not on there, but – Anyways, uh, yeah, I don't see him signing for all that much. So I don't really understand why they're trying to trade him, but um, that's the one thing I don't really understand. But overall, I don't, I don't know. I, I uh, this team, I think, will be. I, I definitely coming into the year, I don't think I'll be as high as, as I was on them last year, where I said if Bob plays well, they'll be able to take a top three spot. And I mean, obviously, Bob did not play well, but I still think this team is going to be somewhere in the mix for a playoff spot, but more likely a wild card one, I would guess. Unless I'm misreading this. So Vegas, like the odds have them as the next best team in the division beyond the big three. And that checks out for me. Yeah, I think so. We'll get in uh, Montreal right now, actually. So I, I think it's between them and Montreal for, you know, this coming year um, for yeah, fourth Montreal's place in that division. Um, I... I've liked a couple of Montreal's moves. Like we've talked about the Edmonton stuff. We don't need to get back into that. Um, since then, you know, in free agency, they brought in Tyler Toffoli. I really like that deal. Four years, 4.25 million. Really like that deal. Great move. He's going to have like a 60% XG in Montreal. Yeah. Um, yeah. I say, hopefully he can find the back of the net a little more often too. I think we talked about the Josh Anderson one. I don't get the term on that. Um, and then today they signed Jake Allen to a two year extension already for 2.875 per year. I don't get that either. Um, I defended the trade at the time. I said they have the cap space. Jake Allen is a legitimate, like, tandem guy who can take some starts away from price. So whatever, you're going to eat it. But why are you already extending him for almost $3 million a year? Yeah, I, I don't get who they're bidding against for that. No, like, they're paying $13.375 million for Carey Price's 34- and 35-year-old seasons and Allen's 31- and 32-year-old seasons. That seems like a recipe for disaster. Yeah, that's a terrible combo. That's like the most mediocre goaltending $13 million can buy. 
yeah, so like, I don't know. I, I think if we're looking at just this year, I think the Habs are going to be a fine team. I, I like en- enough of their pieces on the roster. And if they get, if they get um, a jump from some of the young guys, like if Kogniemi takes a step up or Suzuki gets a little better, or even if someone like uh, Romanov or Poling or someone cracks the lineup and makes an act, or Jake Evans, nah, maybe not Jake Evans, he's 24, but someone makes an actual difference that, you know, maybe you didn't totally see coming. I could see this team actually um, uh, being okay, but or like being good relative, but I just, I question some of the moves in the long term here. Yeah, I don't really get it at all. Like, so they're the 24th cup favorite right now. And like, I don't know, like they need so much to go right for them to even be a playoff team. Never mind, like an actually good team. I don't, yeah, yeah, they need enough to go right, but more likely they need to go catastrophically wrong with other teams in the division. Yeah, it depends. And their goaltending, I think, is the big one. But like, I don't know. I'm a little higher on this roster than you are. I don't think they need a ton of things to go right, but I think that you know, to be anywhere close to a top three, they would need a lot, a lot to go right. But you know, like this team's. Not most likely, but the, this team's uh, good outcome, I think, is sneaking into a wild card and losing in round one. Yes, that would be a success for the Montreal Canadiens. And, I, I mean, think, they have their own first-round pick plus a whole bunch of others, so, like, that wouldn't even be a bad thing. But Yeah, it's not like it's the worst thing in the world. It's just, to me, the moves that were made this offseason kind of screams uh, Bergevin realizes he's really got to go for it this year or two or he's going to be fired. So. Yeah, like he's gonna do something now, and like signing the Toffoli contract, the next GM isn't gonna hate having that on their books either. No, but the Josh that Anderson, be- Edmondson, and Jake Allen one—that might be a different story. Yeah, I think they all almost certainly will be. Yeah, so. especially the seven years. Yeah, um, and I think the Edmondson one too, just because I don't think he's a good player at all. So. Like, I would yeah, probably, as weird as it sounds, I'd probably rather take a swing with Josh Anderson, even with the three extra years, just because at least I, I know there's an upside somewhere there. There's no upside to Edmondson. Yeah, you're right. Like, at least Anderson's, if Anderson plot, like, pops 20 goals, you're not crying about paying him $5.5 million. But when Joel Edmondson is a replacement-level defenseman, paying him three point five just hurts. Yeah, exactly. Um. Buffalo Sabres, they made a massive splash. I don't think anyone saw coming. They signed the second biggest name in free agency this year. Taylor Hall, one year, $8 million. Buffalo's got a silently good top six. They have, like, one of the best top sixes in the league. I, it was, it was um, P. Woe who tweeted this one out the other day. and He said, poor Buffalo, they have a legitimately great top six, and it might still be the third or fourth best in their division. Yeah. Um, uh, like, it's probably the third best in the division. Like, assuming Taylor Hall is good, it's probably better than Florida, but still. Yes. Um, you know, and then I was talking to him about it, and I think it's the clear top three, in my opinion, are Boston, Tampa, and Toronto, whatever way you want to. I forget which way I ordered them. I think I did Tampa and then Boston and then Toronto, or maybe I did Toronto and then Boston, but I thought Toronto and Boston were pretty close, and I thought Tampa was one. Um, and then I had Buffalo fourth, Florida fifth, Montreal sixth, Ottawa and Detroit obviously seventh and eighth. But um, it's a good top six. It's a really bad bottom six though, really bad. And their defense core is also called the bottom six. 
essentially. Yeah, like their defense core really needs uh, Deline to just drag this team along. And so, like, if you look at their forward, so we'll go through Eichel, Hall, Skinner, uh, Eric Stahl. That was a pretty solid pickup. Uh, Sam Reinhardt and Victor Olofsson. There's your top six, so to speak, right? Um, that's pretty good. But then you have uh, Cody Eakin. They signed two years, 2.25. I didn't realize quite how bad he was. His numbers are atrocious last year. Yeah, Cody Egan is not a good player. Like, Buffalo made their own bottom six worse intentionally. Tobias Tobias Reeder they signed. I don't think he's got much left. Like, you really need Casey Middlestead to come in and do something or, like, Dylan Cozens to be a legitimate top six guy for this uh, bottom six to look even somewhat okay. Yeah, it's pretty ugly. Like, they're they're not making the playoffs next year. No, I would be pretty surprised unless like Eichel and Hall just went on an outer worldly tear that just dragged them for 82 games. But like, even if Eichel's better than he was last year, which is tough to do because he was like a maybe top 10 player in the league last year, and Taylor Hall's back to MVP level, like they're still probably not a true talent playoff team. No, not true talent, but I mean, you get a little goaltending and then maybe they sneak in. But again, I wouldn't bet on this team making the playoffs. Their defense scores Colin Miller, Brandon Montour, Jake McCabe, Rasmus Deline, Henry Okaharu, Brandon Davidson, Matt Irwin, uh, Lawrence Peelett, uh, who went back to the Russia, I believe. Uh, so, like, the, Rasmus versus – like, they just uh, – and in that, they still have uh, Omar and Hutton. Like, that's not a great duo in that. Also, everyone keeps talking about how Omar might be a starter. The dude's 27. When is that happening? Yeah, I have no idea. Like, I would be a little more concerned about gold. They have Uko Pekka Lukanen in the minors, who I think is actually a pretty good goaltender prospect, if I remember correctly. But I'd be a little more concerned about their goaltending because everyone keeps going, yeah, I think Omar will turn into a starter. Well, the dude's 27. He should be a starter already. You know, like... Yeah, like, people talk about the Leafs' goaltending as, like, a disaster behind Freddie Anderson because Jack Campbell is presumed not to be a starter and then just pencil him in to be a starter in the future. Yeah, I agree. Um, moving on to the Ottawa Senators. Uh, talked a lot about them last episode and everything with the draft, and somehow I've liked their offseason even less since we recorded. Um, they trade for Eric Goodbranson. I can't remember. I don't think we talked about that last episode. They trade for Eric Goodbranson, and then, uh, you know, everyone defends that. It's like, okay, okay, whatever. Like, it's $4 million for one year, but he's great in the room, whatever. And then they trade for Austin Watson, who has three years left at 1.5. He's not an NHL-level player. You could ignore the off-ice stuff if you want. Like, there's an – I don't know. I've read both ways where it's like he is seems to be trying to make a difference. And maybe, like, I, I don't know. I'm willing to kind of give the benefit of the doubt, but when you look on it purely on ice, you took on a bad contract for a guy who's not an NHL level player. Yeah. Like he's bad. That's, that's the main, like you don't even have to get into the off ice stuff to be like, Hey, this Austin Watson contract is terrible. Like just purely playing spreadsheet hockey. It's really bad. Literally. And like people are like, Oh, well they need guys to expose the expansion draft. They just signed Nick Paul to a two year, $1.35 million deal today. Do that with two other people, Nick Paul's age. And I'd much rather expose them than freaking Austin Watson. Yeah. And like, I hate to break it to Sens fans, but unless something insane happens where all of their prospects hit, whoever's Ottawa's eighth best forward is at this year, this time next year, you're not going to actually be crying about losing him in the offseason. It doesn't matter because even if their prospects hit, they're still all protected. Yeah, it'll like, be like, yeah, like, like who, who are they going to lose? 
they're going to lose Nick Paul or um, Philip Chalapic is, pro- is my best guess. Or maybe with the Matt Murray thing now, it'll be one of Murray or Hogberg if they want to take a swing in net. Yeah, yeah, like Hogberg maybe. But. Yeah, but like I would assume if they're going with a forward up front, it would be Paul or Chalapic, which I like both the guys as dudes. I want to see them succeed. Paul is a, at best, uh, ninth forward. I would say, and Schlappick somewhere in there too. They're both minimum, you know, just barely third line guys who are probably going to be playing on a fourth line somewhere. Like, yeah, like there's a reason they're like the second worst roster in the league. The second worst roster in the league's eighth forward, backup goalie, and fourth defenseman are not of concern to lose in the expansion draft. No, that's the exactly. perfect place to be is bad when there's an expansion draft because none of those players you could realistically lose are actually good because if they were, your team wouldn't be this bad. Exactly. So it's like you don't need to go and actively sign a guy who is not an NHL level player. And if it was just like a team like Toronto doing it, I'd have a little more faith because I think they would just bury him in the minors. Ottawa's not going to do that. So, like, you're just going to have some guy who already is an NHL level player in two or three years, you're either going to have to try and trade away for, buy out, or have him sit and take up a roster spot. I don't get it. I like it makes no sense to me. And even the Gabranson thing, I am fully here for, you know, locker room or being good in the room or whatever, but you don't give up an asset to take a $4 million contract. Anaheim was clearly very, very, very okay with getting rid of. Yeah. Like in this off season where the Tampa Bay lightning can't dump Tyler Johnson, who like most teams probably consider a two C and stuff. Like, why are you taking on $4 million for a below replacement level player and giving up stuff to do it? Literally. So like, it's just that kind of logic. It's like, I don't care if he's good in the room. People go, Oh, it's only a fourth. It's only a fifth. Those things add up. Like, especially when you're just acquiring bad players for them. Yeah, and like, yeah, like maybe four years down the line, you'd be like, hey, maybe we need one extra third-line scorer. And you're like, well, maybe that fourth and fifth were that, that yeah, depth. Yeah, like, I get people are like, oh, look at all the stars that come out of the fourth and fifth round. Yeah, damn, like you're really, you're really losing stuff there. It's like, no, but that's not really the point. Like, the point is that, like, you're lo- like you're giving up the potential of any kind of NHL player for guys who literally have proven that they are not NHL players at this time. Yeah, like if everything breaks right for Eric Branson, he's a number six defenseman. If everything breaks right for a fourth round pick, there's actual star potential from some of them, albeit rare. But also some of them are just like really good, competent depth forwards and defensemen that are cheap when you actually yeah. need it. Like that's the thing. Like you just you couldn't have gone out and found a defenseman on the market for. $3 million for one year or whatever. Like, like, I, I don't know. I, I really don't understand it. I, I don't get it. And people are saying like, well, at least this means Ron Hainsey's off the team. I don't think Ron Hainsey is worse than Eric Goodbranson. No. And he'd certainly be cheaper. Yeah. I mean, yeah, like you would think so, but I don't know. Or like maybe the only argument I can see to that is maybe DJ Smith won't play Goodbranson like he did Hainsey and not in a top four role. But if he played one like that, I don't have a ton of faith that he won't play the other like it. So I don't know. I For an off season where it's like uh, the projections have Ottawa, I think at 57 points or something like that. Like there's a very good chance Ottawa could be last in the league next year. And I saw some people going, well, what do you expect? It's like, no, when you have the third and fifth overall picks and one of the deepest drafts we've seen in a long time, I kind of would expect you to take a step up from 30th overall. And I don't know if I can pencil them in for better than that. I think they're going to be worse than they were last year. 
it wouldn't shock me. Like, unless they get legitimate massive upgrades from, like, Drake Batherson or Kachuk getting better or somehow Chapat getting better, that is the only way they're going to get any better because the surrounding roster is just as bad, if not worse, this year. Yeah, like, I'm, I'm, in, I'm lower on this Sens team than I thought was going to be possible going into the season. Yeah, I really am. Yeah, even the Matt Murray thing, it's like, I don't know. I thought this, it's, it's a lot of money for a contract. It, you can justify it enough, but at the same time, it's just like, that's your swing, really? Like, like that, that's the swing? I, I don't know. Like, I, uh, I don't have much hopes for the, the team this year. No, not at all. And, like, their roster is so bad that even if Murray is, like, the eighth best goalie in the league, they're still going to suck. Well, and the thing is, too, it's just like, oh, what do you expect them to get much better? It's like, I want to see them get marginally better, yes. Like, I was on the thing a couple months ago, but, yeah, this team might not be good again next year, but they'll get a top ten pick. I don't want this team – like, it's not the worst thing long term either, but eventually you need to start actually winning some hockey games. If this team finishes 30 to 31st for the fourth year in a row, like, when are you starting to come out of this rebuild? Yeah, because it doesn't look like the pieces are in place to do it next year either. Now, obviously, a lot can change, but, like – Yeah, but, like, if they make another couple of these signings because they think this is who's actually going to help the team, I'm not very hopeful for that because this is the second or third year in a row where it's like Eric Branstrom might not make this team on opening night. What is the point of that? Like, the guy has clearly proved for a year now that he doesn't need to be in the AHL, and yet because he's got uh, one of the contracts that doesn't have to clear waivers, he might start the year in the AHL or whatever that league is going to be this year, you know? Yeah, like, Eric Branstrom's putting up a point a game in the AHL again, but not getting into the NHL because Eric Branson's there. Like that's a disaster. Yeah. And like Josh Brown and Zot, like I fine roster, you know, roster camp uh, battles are fine, but sign dudes to PTOs for that, you know, like, Oh my God, just the defense I've heard of everything the management does because it really has not made sense. And like, Again, if they get the first overall pick or a top three pick next year, it's only going to help the roster. But at some point, you got to ask, okay, where are the steps in place to find guys who are actually going to help your team take it to the next level? Because it can't just be the draft picks you're bringing in right now. Yeah, exactly. And, like, I'm generally a fan of keeping overqualified players in the minors when your team's going to suck. But with Brandstrom specifically, like, knowing whether you've hit on Brandstrom or not is such a huge part of your future rebuild that, like, you want to pay to know that information as soon as possible. Yeah, you would think so, but I guess not. I don't know. Like, if he, does, there's no reason other than just cash from Melnick that he doesn't make the opening night roster. That's as far as this is what that's all I'll say. Um, I'm sure I'll have more time to yell about it soon, but let's move on. We got to keep going here. We got to run through a bunch of guys still. Uh, Detroit, um, they bought out, uh, we talked about the Applicator buyout already, so I don't think we need to touch on that too much. Um, they signed uh, Thomas Grice two years, 3.6 mil, as I guess a bit of a stopgap as they continue to rebuild. That's um, fine. Yeah, I don't have I don't have a ton to say about their offseason, really. Um, they signed competent NHL players. Like, they're still either the worst or the second worst team in the league, but, like, I'm sure Larkin and Mantha are going to be happy that the team isn't as bad as it was last year. Yeah, I mean, they signed Nemestikov, Ryan, Gagne. Like, I think their team will be – I would going into the year. I think I'd probably put this team ahead of Ottawa. I think. Yeah, I would say so. They're like distinctly the two worst teams in the league at this point. But Detroit got guys you could realistically see them being able to flip for picks at the deadline. Yeah. Um, also, I should mention Ottawa Stutzel is hurt for six to eight weeks. Uh, he should be fine. It's a it's a 
hand break. Or he broke his hand just running in some, I guess, in practice, um, which sucks. But uh, he should be back by the time the NHL season plans on starting anyway. So um, off to the Metro then. Uh, the Washington Capitals will start with. Um, their offseason has been interesting. Um, they signed uh, Trevor Van Riemsdyk for 800 k I really like that move. I thought that was a savvy pickup. Um, it's, it sounds like, um, damn, who is it? Is it Michael Kempney's done for the year already? Was it Kempney or Jen? Uh One of them is out for the year, and that is why they got to re-sign Brendan Dillon basically. Let me check. Um, Michael Kempney, yeah, so he uh, ruptured his Achilles, unfortunately, skating. So he's out six to eight months, um, and then they signed Brendan Dillon um, to a four-year $3.9 million deal, which I think is okay, Valley. I think we talked about this one as well. They also signed Justin Schultz, two years, $4 million. Um, so their defense looks a little bit different. Um, I think it's okay. I don't know. Yeah, like they're they're just the same team as last year. Essentially. Yeah, just with a couple different names on the back end. There's only so much they could do. Um, also, they signed uh, Hendrik Lundqvist. Yeah, I like that. One year, $1.5 million. Seems like a decent buy low. He'll tandem with Ilya Samsonov, I would assume. So, um, yeah, not much to say on them. They're a lot of the same, really. Yeah, they're pretty much the same team. And, like, they're good enough, old enough, and all locked in enough that, like, you didn't really have a choice but to run it back, and that is exactly what they're doing. So good for them, I guess. Yep, exactly. Um, Philly, um, they signed uh, Eric Gustafson, one year, $3 million. I thought that was a pretty good deal. Yeah, I liked it. Although, I need you to help me out with something on Philly. Yeah. I've been around. Everywhere I'm looking, Philly is like the fifth or sixth Stanley Cup favorite going into next year. And what the hell am I missing that Philly is that high? I think it was just the hot run at the end of the year and then in the bubble as well. Like, if I had to guess. Yeah, because, like, I get there's only, like, four distinctly top teams in the league. But, I don't know, seeing Philly have five everywhere is confusing me. Even though, like, the roster was fine, their offseason was fine, but, like, you could make an argument that in their own division, they could land anywhere from first to, like, fifth. And yeah, like, like I, I could see a world where they're the fourth best team in the division pretty easily. Yeah, I mean, like, and it just depends how high you are on the Islanders. I mean, generally, we're low, but uh, if you think the Islanders are going to even somewhat repeat what they've done the past two years where they're, like, a fourth best team in the division or whatever – you know, like if, if Pittsburgh and Washington find their legs and, you know, I, I expect Carolina to be top three. I, I mean, and, you know, even some people think the Rangers might be good. So it's like, I, I think realistically they'll be third or fourth-ish, but with a chance at top two. But, yeah, I don't know. Top six seems a little aggressive for cup odds. Yeah, because where I'm looking, they're five ahead of Washington and Toronto. Like, I can't see how Washington and Toronto miss the playoffs. I could easily see how the Flyers miss the playoffs. Yeah, well, and also, like, this, I don't understand why all the time. They, they seem, like, dedicated to trading Shane Gostasbear, and I I don't get why. Yeah, I mean, he hasn't been great. Like, I think a change of scenery would be good for him, but you also probably lose that trade. In this year, definitely. Like, who's taking on three years of $4.5 million? Yeah, and, like, he, he seems like the perfect defenseman where he gets traded elsewhere and then puts up, like, 60 points on the top power play unit and everything. And everybody's like, oh, this is the Shane Goss's bear we remember. Yeah, literally. So, like, I, I don't know. Um, 
I thought that was a little strange. Like, he did have a rough year last year, but, um, yeah, they seem, like, dedicated to doing that, which uh, surprised me a little bit. Yeah, they really do. Um, Okay, I don't have much more to say on them either. Uh, Pittsburgh. Uh, Again, like, a lot of what we've talked about with Pittsburgh, they did, like, Rutherford did his moves uh, pretty early, I would say. Um, I'm trying to see if they actually signed anyone in free agency. Um... Evan Rodriguez, my whatever. That's nice. Uh, Michael Matheson, but was that even? No, that was a trade. That was a right? trade, right? Yeah, and we already. I think we. Yeah, that was the um, Hornquist trade. So yeah, they really didn't do anything other than the Murray trade, which um, uh, again we talked about last week. I, I thought it was okay for both sides. Like you need to get Murray, so you got got rid of him for a second, fifty-second uh, overall pick, and so it looks like they'll ride Jari and Smith. Yeah, which is fine. Like, uh, they had a miserable offseason, but not a terrible free agency, at least. And they've had a bad free agency a few years in a row, so I guess that's a step forward. Yeah. Like, every year this team is just going to rely that uh, Crosby, Malkin, and Latang don't take steps back, really. Yep. And the, just like Washington, right? Like, they're, they're yep. priced, essentially, and they're going for it. So, you know what? You're probably never going to have Crosby and Malkin again. Even if it costs you a 10-year rebuild, you might as well keep swinging while you have them. Yeah, exactly. Uh, the Carolina Hurricanes, um, trying to see, think, uh, you know, I like their offseason as a whole. Uh, not a surprise they didn't do a ton in free agency. Uh, they picked up Jesper Fast. And yeah. also, Joachim Ryan on a two-way deal. I was shocked he had to settle for a two-way deal. Yeah, me too. I like yeah, like they didn't really do much, but what they did do was small, and I like just high upside, low downside contracts. Yeah, literally. Um, yeah, I, again, we're running through this division, but it uh, feels like there's just generally speaking less to talk about. Uh, Columbus, weird, weird offseason here. They were selling hard salary, and maybe they just have an internal budget, but everything kind of pointed to like they might be taking a swing at Taylor Hall or someone, and then they go elsewhere. Maybe they're still going to Mike Hoffman or someone, but – uh, they made a couple trades, if I'm not mistaken. Um, they traded away uh, – where am I? Um, Marcus uh, Nudavara, who is a legitimate NHL defenseman for Cliff Poo, who I don't think is going to crack the NHL roster uh, in his career. And then also Ryan Murray, a legitimate, what, top two, top three defenseman to the Devils for a 2021 fifth. Yeah, like Murray gets hurt a lot, but when he plays, he's – He's a very like he's a definite top four guy. Yeah, so like I just I uh, I don't really understand their moves here. It looked like they were selling to um, uh, maybe take a swing at someone, and then the guys we thought they'd take a swing at's gone. But you know, there's still a few other names available, so we'll see if maybe they land a forward of some kind. But I really haven't. I didn't think their offseason's been that great so far. No, their forward cap sheet reminds me of the way Ottawa's looked last year. Yeah, like they got a bunch of guys up next year. I, like I don't, I don't see this guy. This they signed Miku Koivu to a one-year, one point five million dollar deal. Gregorenko one point two for one year. Uh, they have Domi, uh, but apparently they're trying to trade away David Savard. Like, are you really? Are you trying to make your defense core just Jones and Morensky? That was terrible. I, I don't know where I heard this. It was probably Allison Lucan because most people don't talk about the Blue Jackets, but it's her job. Apparently the party line was like they wanted to protect themselves against a Dubois offer sheet, but like they have $13 million in cap space. 
where on earth is a $12 million offer sheet for Dubois coming from? Yeah, no kidding. Especially because it's like if someone's getting an offer sheet, do you think it'd be one of the guys in Tampa? Yeah, like that's, if you're offer sheeting someone, it's Sorelli or Sergachev right now. You would assume so. Like it's much better chance that you actually get them there. I don't know. Like I, I like Dubois, but I would say for what the compensation or whatever, you're probably getting a better bang for your buck from one of those guys. So like I, that blows my mind if that is the actual reasoning. Yeah, exactly. And if you're an NHL GM, you're just not oversheating anyone because of course you're not. You never have and you never will. Yeah, you're an NHL GM. You don't do that. Give, yeah. give your head a shake. So yeah, like this team's bad and just kind of did nothing. Like I would have liked them to see see them do kind of what Detroit did and add guys that you can flip at the deadline. Yeah, but like they think they're competing. So that like. Like, they made the playoffs last year and then, well, fluked their way in the playoffs, but they were right on the – like, they were the ninth seed. They might have made it in an 82, but – and then, you know, they got blown out in round one, but to them that was good enough because they're going to look at all the injuries and be like, yeah, no, that's that's what held us back, not the fact that our team is average. Yeah, like, there's just, there's just nothing to really get excited about, but so. it's not like – they're in a huge rush to do anything, so even if they're not competitive, I guess it's not the end of the world. They have yeah, I mean, for- like if they accidentally luck themselves into, or not even lucked, if they accidentally play themselves into being a top five pick, they have their first round pick. It's not like it's a huge deal. Yeah, exactly. And like their division's enough of a clusterfuck that they can realistically come anywhere from like third to dead last. Agree. Um, okay, uh, three teams in uh, left here in this division: the Islanders, the Rangers, and the Devils. Let's start with the Islanders. Uh, they lost a trade. Um, this is one of the just easiest hand-down trades I can ever say that uh, I think I know who won. Um, they traded Devon Taves to the um, Colorado Avalanche for two seconds. I, getting two seconds back is good, but, like, Taves is really, really good. That's GM of the year, Lou Lamorello, with a tidy bit of business there, turning a top-pairing defenseman into two lottery tickets with, like, only a 50% chance of even becoming an NHL player, never mind a good one. And they still barely have enough. They don't have enough money to sign Barzell or Pulak. And, hey, you know, I was told a couple weeks ago, if you go back on the podcast, probably six or seven episodes ago, it was actually going to be really easy, barely an inconvenience to get everyone signed. So, I like the Ryan George reference. But, yeah, like they, they still don't have the space, even though they just dumped a top pair defenseman. Yeah, but I was told Pulak and uh, Taze weren't going to be big money contracts. So, um, you know. But I, 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 I've like, heard decently. He's a big goal-scoring defenseman who's picked high. Like I don't yeah. see where taking like, a two-million contract from. No, like evolving hockey had them at three to four and a half and four to five and a half for Taves and Pulak respectively. So like, and Barzell at like nine or ten, I'm pretty sure. So Barzell was yeah. the highest contract coming in, which makes sense because he's the probably the best player available. Yes, absolutely. So, um, you know, I heard rumored they're looking to move Johnny Boychuk, but like, they got they're going to have to give up legitimate assets to do that, right? So, yeah, you know, trade. So it's going to be a pain in the ass even to do that. Yeah, maybe use the seconds that you got, but like, I would assume some team wanting six million for two more years of Johnny Boychuk is going to want a first round pick with that. Yeah, and even if the two seconds work, like if you turn Devin Tays into not Johnny Boychuk because of all the terrible contracts you've signed, that's pathetic. Yeah, so um, this is a lot more just stuff catching up to them than it is anything else. But uh, the day's here, so it'll be interesting to see what they do. But that trade was uh, – that was bad. You know, they, they, they were – they put themselves in a position to make it bad, and then they signed a bad – made a bad trade, so. I hope they're just miserable next year. 
Um, we've talked about the New York Rangers a lot. Again, Lafreniere in the draft. That's a, that's a nice little addition. Um, they didn't do too much on free agency. Um, they signed Jack Johnson for some reason. Um, yeah, everybody was kind of dumping on this. Like, this was dumber than the Bogosian signing, but, like... It's the same idea where it's, like, if he's the 6th or 7th D, it's probably not the end of the world. Yeah, and, like, Jack Johnson was is, like, one of the worst players in the entire league. Like, he does make you actively worse even as being a 6, which is hard to do, but, like, I assume they just see him as a depth D because it is only a $1 million deal. Yeah, you would think so. I, like, I would have stayed away from it. I think he has less to give than Bogosian even, and I would have stayed away from the Bogosian contract. But yeah, he is a lot. Like, Bogosian's at least – like, Bogosian is probably a sixth defenseman. He's not – like, he's a replacement-level guy, whereas Jack Johnson is, like, actively one of the worst players in the entire NHL. Yeah, so I don't know. I've said all year I can't wait to hammer that team's win under win – in for the win total, so – uh, last team, New Jersey Devils. I've liked their offseason pretty silently. You know, the, uh, we talked about it a second ago. Ryan Murray, that's a really, really good pickup. Um, yep. Andreas Janssen, that's another very solid pickup for uh, literally nothing. So I don't think they're, you know, Corey Crawford as well, two years, 3.9 mil. Again, I think that, you know, if they're putting themselves in a spot where they're, they're finally taking themselves out of the rebuild, where it's like, this is the kind of moves I hope Ottawa makes next season, where they're adding actual NHLers and, Again, I don't think this team's going to be a playoff team, but I think, you know, we when we did the division for the past couple of years, they were very clearly at the bottom of it. I think they'll be at least – they'll still be at the bottom, but that's just because everyone's so meh in the division. Yeah, exactly. And, like, this is the perks of having cap space, right? Like, you get to add upside. And for the New Jersey Devils, you can – they were bad last year, but you can actually see where the improvements come from. Like, when Jack Hughes does better, because you know he will – that's going to be great for them when they're not getting absolutely shelled with core every time Blackwood is in the net because Crawford's there. That'll be huge. And then Janssen's a nice little pickup. Ryan Murray's a nice little pickup on the blue line. Like you can actually see how they're going to get better next year. Yep. And they had to buy a Corey Schneider, or I don't know even know if they had to, but they chose to uh, maybe to give them a fresh start somewhere else. Uh, Schneider ended up signing a one-year deal with the Islanders, I believe just to be their third goaltender. Um, so that, that buy will cost them $2 million on the cap for the next four seasons, which isn't ideal, but uh, I don't foresee them absolutely needing Maybe by the fourth year that'll hurt, but right now it definitely does not affect them. Yeah, it extends to the point past Hughes gets paid, which might hurt, but... But even then, like, I don't know. They have such, like, they got Hichier on such a reasonable deal and everything like that, where I don't think they're going to be needing every single penny by the fourth year, but who knows? No. And like Subban's up in two years, that's nine million off of an already pretty clean cap sheet. Yeah, exactly. So um, let's go to the West then, real quick. Uh, keep working our way through here. Uh, and again, I think the last episode was pretty long. This one ended up being pretty long as well. But uh, what can, what can you do? It's a busy week, right? Um, St. Louis Blues lose Alex Petrangelo, pick up Tory Crew, gets a six and a half. I really like this deal more than I thought I would. I would. I think the term is still long, but Six and a half is about a mil and a half, two mil less than I thought he was going to get. So, Yeah, on net, like turning Alex Petrangelo into Tory Krug and Justin Falk making $13 million for forever is terrible, but like it's not because of the Krug half of the equation. Yes, I mean, you can also look at it as turning Petrangelo into Krug plus $2 million in cap space is okay, and then it's just like, oh, well, that Justin Falk deal still sucks. It sucked from the time it was signed. I still have no idea why they signed it. Um, and also probably means they're going to lose Vince Dunn, which sucks. 
for yeah. that. Because Dunn's actually good, but like they lose Petrangelo as their power play one quarterback, and they get one of the best defensemen in the league on the power play to replace him. Plus a guy who's competent at five on five. So I, I yeah. like the crew. Yeah, I thought it was good. I, the Falk one just blows my mind. Um, but, you know, like a decor of Krug, Periaco. If you could get Vince Dunn, Vince Dunn, Scandella, Gunnarsson, Bertuzzo, Falk isn't the worst seven I've ever heard. That's for sure. It's a, it's a yeah. fine seven, I would even say. Yeah, you can win with that. Yeah. Just, um, it was so good, right? Yeah, so I, I really like that. And then they say Kyle Clifford, two years, one mil. That's fine. Um, honestly, would you rather that with Kyle Clifford? I mean, so for Toronto, it kind of sucks because if they re-sign him, their third went to a second-round pick that they gave L.A., so I assume that probably played in the decision. But, like, all things equal, would you rather Kyle Clifford two years, one mil, or Wayne Simmons one year, 1.5 mil? Way rather the Clifford deal. I think Clifford's a very good fourth liner, and even in depth role, Simmons has struggled recently. Yeah, I think maybe you could say Simmons has more upside, but he definitely has a way lower floor as well. Yeah, exactly. And Clifford's another one where, like, People are like, well, even though his fancy stats are good, he must be bad because he plays on the fourth line and then it's against tough quality competition. So that's not his true talent. It's like, well, you don't even need that to be his true talent because he's just going to play on your fourth line. So his him just putting up good numbers against fourth liners is fine for a fourth liner. Yeah, exactly. And yeah, I don't know. I, I thought he was relatively invisible for Toronto in the playoffs, but that's also a five-game sample size. So it's like if they would have brought him back, it would have had no issue. It just the, – the draft pick, I think, is what kind of did that for Toronto. But – I thought yeah, it was an okay signing for St. Louis. He fits their style of play really well. Yeah, he was invisible, but his like long term results have been incredible for a fourth liner. So, yeah. yeah. So yeah. I don't know. It depends what they do with Vince Dunn, but overall, uh not a horrible offseason, I think, for um uh St. Louis right now. Yeah, although if Krug caught or sorry, not Krug, if Falk costs them Petrangelo and then Scandella costs them Vince Dunn, you should probably just fire Doug Armstrong. Yeah, I mean, like, those are the two deals, and that's not really their offseason. That happened before the season already. So, like, it's tough yeah. because it's like I, I've liked their offseason given what I thought was going to happen where they lose on Petrangelo and don't get anyone. I think they got, what, probably the second or third best D in the dra- in the free agency crop for a reasonable price, which was you don't usually see. He's got to be two unless I'm forgetting someone. Brody, it's between him and Brody. I would probably take him. Yeah, Crooks, like – it depends on your need, right? Because yes. Blues don't need, or the Blues do need a power play quarterback. The Leafs didn't, so yeah. like Krug is probably the two given St. Louis's needs, and Brody's the two given Toronto's needs. Yeah, so for sure. Be- um, next team, Colorado. Man, this team—they didn't make the big splashes we were expecting them to, but I think they look better than they did last year. I really do. Um, you know, some of that's maybe bias of covering them and kind of cheering for them, but the, again, we talked about the Devon Taves one already. That's a steal, and I tweeted out the other day, I want to know what you think. What decor rank is this in the league? I said, in my opinion, it's top five, and depending on the development of Makar and Byram, it could be top three within a year or two. It's Yeah, because like it's deeper than Nashville's. Yeah, it's just they don't quite have the tie-in talent yet. Yeah, whereas if Makar is like in the Norris running this year and Taze is like a two, they – probably do have the high-end talent all of a sudden, right? Well, and if Byram's a, not a Norris, but like a, a rookie of the year candidate, like... Or like, even if he's a four, like he's going to be playing on the bottom pair. So like right now you have Taves, Makar, Graves, Ian Cole, Sam Gerrard, Eric Johnson, mm-hmm. and 
Bowen Byram with a Connor Timmons in the minors as well. And uh, Timmons got to get healthy. Hopefully his concussion issues stop. But like with that seven, you have, if Byram's a four, you have a legitimate number one, I would say an easy number two slash three, three at very worst for Taze, but I think two, I would call Gerard a three probably. Second favorite um, guy. Yeah, and then Graves, I don't know. He had a really high PDO, but he's probably a five or so, and Ian Cole's a four slash five, and Johnson's probably a four or five. Like, they don't really have a sixth defenseman on this team. It's just, like, a couple high-end guys and then a bunch of, like, three to five type of guys, you know? Yeah, with a complete wild card in Bram who has the potential to be amazing. Yeah, exactly. So, like, I I really like this team. And then up front, um, I I still think they could add someone – if uh, there's been talks that Mike Hoffman's got a bunch of one-year deals uh, that, you know, he could be looking at as of $6.7 million in cap space to sign Yost and Kamenev. I don't even know if they're going to resign and Taves, I guess. So, you know, they don't have a ton of cap space, but like, I think they could make it work if they wanted to try and find Hoffman on a one-year deal real quick. They'd probably have to trade someone for that though. Cause uh, like, maybe I think stuff. Taves will get four probably. It depends yeah. how long term they go though. Yeah, yeah, maybe they would have to trade someone. I don't know. But uh, they add Brandon Sod as well, who he's a poor guy, I think, gets underrated just because of who he got traded for. But, you know, he's been a useful NHL player, and that's for one year. That's a pretty good addition. Yeah, like he's still a second-line player. Oh, yeah. Like you you look at it last year even with – that was 2018-19, my bad. Um, but even last year, like both the two past years, he's really controlled expected goals and Corsi four very well. And considering he's on the Blackhawks, that's a pretty good sign because I think his goals four could go up playing with better teammates. Yeah, and his defensive numbers have tanked, but like everybody's defensive numbers are bad in Chicago. So, and he used to have good defensive numbers. So I don't know if I would just write him off as the train wreck defensively that he looked like yeah. in Chicago. And even his defensive numbers like they're not like they're they're below average but it's not like they're like three standard deviations to the point where it's like the dude literally cannot play defense he's just yeah it's not like he's never yeah you're probably not going to be um um able to throw him on you know uh, the the shutdown line or whatever and you know even maybe you could but maybe not ideal but he's like a net positive play driver being added into an already stacked team which is just awesome yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, so I, I really like this team uh, this year. I think they're – I said they need to add a top six winger, and I think that is what Saad is. Not the name I was expecting, but, you know, um, I, I yeah, I'm looking at their cap sheet now, I don't think they add another uh, name. But uh, up front, Rantanen, Matt McKinnon, Landeskog, Saad, Burkowski, Kadri, uh, Donskoy, Comfer, Natushkin. They signed Natushkin two years, $2.5 million. Signed Graves three years, three point one a lot of just solid deals here that I think are going to keep their team really solid. I think they should be a contender at West again. Yeah. They just have a lot of good players. Like their forward group is one of the best. And so is their defenseman. So they're pretty well insulated for injuries too. Yep. Exactly. Um, Other than, but like nobody's well insulated from a best player on their team injury. Yeah. Especially top five in the league. So. All right. uh, Let's move on to the Dallas stars now. Um, we are about halfway through this division, not quite. Uh, just trying to look at what Dallas actually did. They re-signed Kudobin. Yep. Uh, three years, 3.3 mil. That's – man, I how do you feel about that contract? Um, Like, not great, but 
it it's it's not a huge deal, but like that seems just like he played two really really good weeks of hockey, and that was about it. And now you're you're paying for that. Yeah. So what would worry me is his save percentage has gone up four consecutive years, and he is now what thirty three or thirty four. Thirty four. Yeah. Yeah. So like he's been fantastic, but like his sample size has been so small. Like crazier things have happened than like a a seventy game heater from a goalie. Yeah, I guess his numbers were pretty solid in the regular season. I don't know. Maybe this isn't as bad as I was thinking. The only other thing they really did was sign Mark Pissick to a one-year deal, which is fine, 750K. Yeah, I like how Mark Pissick's tag is right D and right wing because Florida played him on <laughs> Yeah, no kidding. Um, yeah, other than yeah, that, like, they really didn't do too much. It looks like they just want to run it back. And, like, Kudobin was great last year. So, like, they're getting a pretty good price to do it. So. This is a team, I mean, I don't want to give away too much. It's a couple months away, though. This is a team I could see taking a step back. I'm never really high on this team in general, but, like, I don't know. This is a team I'll probably hammer the under for wind holes, I I would think, too. Yeah. um, The odds I'm looking at right now have them as the 10th best team in the league. Which, like, that's, that's not the most unreasonable thing I've ever heard. But I could see people being really disappointed that the Stanley Cup finalists are the 10th best team in the league. Oh, even though I absolutely. They're true talent, right? Yeah. And I mean, even just like, like if they were like the 15th best team in the league, that even wouldn't shock me, I think, this year. I don't know. Like, Yeah, like behind them, there's some good teams. There's Edmonton, Vancouver, Carolina, both New York teams, Calgary, and Nashville. Like I Winni- could use- Winnipeg got better, you know, like. I can see three at least of those teams being ahead of them in the standings when we're wrapping up next year's season. Exactly. Um, Winnipeg, uh, we talked about the Dylan DeMello deal, I believe, already. Four years, three mil, beautiful deal. Uh, They picked up Statsny for, uh, I think, what, did they give up a second-round pick, I believe? Or fourth-round pick. Fourth-round pick, I believe, for Paul Statsny. Yeah, I, I like that, I guess. Like. Oh, I think it's a great deal. I think it's a I, – I was very – like, there was people online uh, today, and we're, uh, we're going to get to Vegas in, you know, next division, obviously, because I have a question, uh, you know, a uh, couple questions for them. But um, we're, there was people online that were like, oh, classic stupid NHL teams just helping teams out of the cap or out of their cap issues. Like, the Winnipeg Jets picked up a legitimate 2C – with one year left on his deal for a fourth round pick. I think like, like I get they needed the cap space, but like you're getting a legitimate, like top 60 centerman for a fourth round pick. Yeah. Like you not doing this would be like shooting yourself in the foot just so that you don't have to help someone else out. Yeah, like, like especially they need, center, you know? they need a 2C so freaking bad that they decided they were going to trade Patrick Laine for it. Like, Yeah, and, and, that, and now you have a couple years older, but, you know, the, the line that um, helped them to the Western Conference Final a couple years ago. And, like, Paul Statsy, he's been unlucky, but he's still really good. Yeah, and, like, you can – he's been good enough that you can pencil him in for a decline, and you're still not exactly upset about having him at 2C. So that's yeah, – I like okay. Especially for one year, like I just I, I didn't understand the people who were like oh yeah classic stupid NHL teams. It's like man, like I would like Ottawa gave up a fourth for freaking Austin Watson or Erica Branson, whichever one it was. These guys got a legitimate like the fifty fifth best fiftieth best center in the league. Like come on, yeah, and it's not like the Tyler Johnson thing where like 
Stathney fits Winnipeg's window because I think they want to be competitive right now, and they get to walk away before anything gets ugly. Yeah, exactly. So, like, I, I'm shocked. I, th- I still think they do need to add another defenseman. Um, you know, I, I think this team could be okay next year, but, like, man, Morris, as much as I like DeMello, Morrisley, DeMello, Pionk, Bullyu, Forbert, Spiza, Poolman, Niku, especially because they don't seem to be willing to give Sammy Niku much of a chance. Like, that's not a good defense group, really. What scares me is that the likelihood Connor Hellebuck repeats last year is very small. And yep. if he does repeat last year, they're basically boned. Yeah, I mean, I could see them getting worse just on that on that perspective. That's a good call. Like, I think their overall roster talent got better just because they added a two C. But yeah, they uh, they really need an upgrade on defense. I think to try and help uh, some of that regression out. Yeah, like I don't know the exact numbers, but they probably have to con- increase their team XG by like four percent just to offset what's probably going to happen to Hellebuck coming back down to earth which is not an easy thing to do. Counterpoint, firing your coach with that much talent, maybe maybe it would be that e- that easy. I don't know. Yeah, they do kind of have those like 20, was it 15, 16, or 16, 17 penguins written all over it where all of a sudden they're just on an absolute heater. For the forwards anyways, yeah. like, And I mean, you know, it's not like the penguins defense core is very good. So They had Ronald Ainsley on their top pair, which I was told you can't win with him in your top four. So, Yep. Um, Nashville. Uh so they buy out Kyle Turris, obviously, um, you know, a big buyout, but probably the right move to save some money. And he just wasn't very good. Um, they lose Smith, which I thought that that's going to be a big impact, I think. Yeah, I don't know why they let Smith go for that. Yeah, I don't know. Then, then they, you know, they uh, move Watson for a fourth. Uh, they pick up Luke Coonan, they still need to sign. They pick up Mark Borwecki, uh, two years, two mil. That's bit of a wild deal for them, but I'm really happy to see Like, there's not a lot of guys where, like, I mean it when I say it's awesome to see them get paid. He is definitely one of them, so good for him. Yeah, if you want to sign a character guy, by all accounts, Orwacki is one of the good ones. Yeah, I mean, they still have 12 million in cash, 12, 13 million in cash space, so it's not like they need the cash space, but I don't know. They, they're, they're a team that I, you know, I was talking about, I could see, like, Hall going there and making a fit. Uh, rumor was that there was more than a one-year deal available from them with Hall, but it wasn't that $8 million. So he decided to go to Buffalo for a year. They could probably still use a forward up front, I would assume. Yeah, you, I'm kind of thinking Minnesota might be too bad now to be what we thought of, like, everybody made fun of them for constantly just being, like, the 16th best team. I don't think Minnesota's even good enough to have that those ranked now. I think they might be ready to pass those on to Nashville. Yeah, this is a roster that's certainly looking like it could just be the definition of average. Like it's just impressively mediocre. Yeah, I, it really is. Like they're just their defense is unreal. Um, you know, their goaltending is going to be hit or miss, and their four cars four is just manta not good. Yeah, like it's so, just not a, not a good luck. No, not not uh, not really. Um, Minnesota, um, by all accounts, they had a really good draft. I was listening to the PDO cast, and I, I can't even remember the guy he had on, but he was, he really liked his drafts. Uh, I haven't minded. I don't know. I go back and like I don't understand the stall deal still. And it's, like I think there was another deal I don't really understand, but it's just like like you got the Capril Kaprastoff on your team. I thought the Bukestead one was okay, like. This team is just going to be so man again. Like you got rid of Dude Nick, I thought that was really good. Even if you had to retain salary, you signed Cam Talbot. I think that's a smart thing for a stopgap for a couple of years. But like, what what is, what is this team trying to do right now? 
Yeah, the uh, the odds I'm looking at, 23rd best team in the league. Sounds like perfect. Yeah, that sounds exactly where I would have them. Like, they're just – they're not horrible. I don't think they're going to get a top three pick, but they're nowhere near good enough to be anywhere close to a contender status, and it's going to take a lot to go right for them to be a um, uh, division – or, sorry, a playoff team. Yeah, like, they've gone from – impressively close to just around league average to like that thing people used to always make fun of the Leafs for where like you are a team filled with NHL players you're not going to bottom out but like you're also probably not even close to a playoff threat either uh, yeah agreed um so uh, this should be I don't even know there's nothing interesting about the Minnesota Wild. I don't think this will be an interesting year uh, I was going to say interesting year but uh maybe in a couple of years they will look cool when they have Kaprasov and uh Rossi and Seattle all rolling. Yeah, exactly. Um, maybe it'll be then. But uh, for now, it's probably just be a, another year where they pick like ninth overall or whatever and just try and find a good prospect, I assume, and maybe sell some guys off at the deadline. Yeah, and I mean, you probably just can't rebuild with those contracts on your books, so maybe that's the smartest thing they can do. Yep. Uh, last team in the division, Chicago Blackhawks. Uh, they let Leonard go. Looks like they're just going to run Colin D'Elia and Malcolm Subban. Um, they trade Zadorov for uh, Saad. You lose this trade. I'm sorry. They're like, again, this is a team I don't understand what they're doing. Like, everything signals they should be somewhat retooling, but they signal like they still think they might kind of be trying to go for it. Well, they're clearly not because Jonathan Taze and them are pouty that they're rebuilding. <laughs> but like, how blunt? Like, I get when you're in it and like you're an ultra competitive superstar like Jonathan Taze is. You can have your blinders on, but like. How could you possibly be blindsided by the fact that they want to re- retool at least? Yeah, well, it's not even that. Like, I read the quote as he was just mad they traded away his friends. Because, like, the, by all accounts, Kane and Taves is what got sawed back into Chicago in the first place. And that deal was a disaster. So, yeah, they got all pouty that, you know, they're moving, quote, core pieces of the, you know, pieces of the core. But, like, I just, like, I I, quote, I, I, I tweeted, I just, I laughed. It's like, I want to, like, dunk on this, but I can't because all I can do is just kind of laugh. Like, and be just, I just find it so funny that it's just like NHL players surprised that management's moving old bad players who have clearly helped the team be bad for a couple of years, or it hasn't helped it be very good for guys who potentially could be young or are younger and could potentially help them. It's just like, and that's not exactly what their moves have been, but like that's, I'm assuming the idea of getting rid of Brandon Saad is you open up a space for like Kirby Doc or someone up front for more of a role. Yeah, but, like, these guys are literally, like, a bottom five roster in the league. Like, I don't know what you could plausibly expect it. Well, it's just, like, I'm cool with trading Brandon, Brandon Saad, but retain half his salary and get a draft pick for him. Don't trade for Nikita Zadorov, who is not a good NHL defenseman. Well, yeah, the, the trade was terrible, and they're now over three on Saad trades, which is hilarious. Yeah, um, so, I don't know. Like, it's it, – this team's going to be bad. I could – the problem is, they're like, there's so many teams where it's just, like – Maybe this year because they don't have Crawford to bail them out as much, but it's like, like this team could be bottom three, and it really wouldn't shock me if I'm being completely honest. But like, then part of me looks at Kane Taze and Debrinket and go, "Well, there's enough skill right there to probably get them to like 25th instead of 30th." Even still, like with Kane Taze and Debrinket, with plus Keith Taze and Kane not beaten, are were younger last year than they will be this year. Like, they had absolutely Vesna level goaltending last year and they still sucked. So like what is going to happen this year? I could see them being the third worst team in the league very easily. 
I could see them being anywhere from worst to yeah, third worst or you know, but I, I don't know. This will be an interesting one to watch for sure. Okay, last division here. A uh, couple teams to talk a lot about, but I think those will be a few we're kind of skip by and just you know not say too much on. Uh, first one, Vegas Golden Knights. Obviously, they get rid of Nate Schmidt to Vancouver, who we'll talk about. That's a, a pickup for them. Um, they get him for I think it was a third round pick, and they get Statsy for a fourth. So their team is. Um, Clearly worse than uh, it was then, but then they go sign Alex Petrangelo, uh, eight or seven years, eight point eight million dollars. That contract's going to look ugly in a couple of years. Probably, and it depends. Like, so his like five on five value, I still expect him to be elite next year. But if they leave Shea Theodore on the top power play unit, I think there's going to be some people pissy with that contract next year. Yeah, I could see it. I, I think just from like a people look at like love to look at points and just be like, oh, this guy sucked. But like, if we want to look at this object, like, man, I, I they, they do have a window to go for it now, you know, because like as much as I like Mark Stone, thirty three year old Mark Stone might not exactly be who you want to be leading your forward court a couple of years, anyways. But like, God, like they have. It's amazing how quickly they put themselves in cap purgatory and really have to win a cup in the next three or four years. Yeah, I did also see that, like, I just want to point this out because I thought it was hilarious. They talked about how the core guys were upset in Vegas, and they said Pacioretty, Marchessault, and Alec Martinez, and Marc-Andre Fleury. That would be like talking about the Leafs' core as, like, William Nylander, Justin Hole, and Jack Campbell. Well, yeah, they were saying, so, like, if I read the report right, it was that uh, those guys specifically were mad about how the team has handled their – um potential of being traded, you know, because um, those are the four names that have been out there. But if I read it right, the team as a whole was kind of pissed at just how often they'd hear one of their teammates being put on the block. And, like, part of me gets that. But at the same time, it's like, Dan, like, if you want to win a cup, suck it up, you know? Yeah, and, like, the big one on the block has been Flurry. Like, teams trade their backup goalie. That's I, that's what Marc-Andre Flurry is. Like, that's not an unreasonable thing for an NHL GM to do. Yeah, exactly. Um, so I have a couple things to ask about uh, – Vegas, um, the first one I want to ask is, are they better now than they were three days ago? Yes. <laughs> I think so, too. I, I, I do think so, as well. Um, so how much better? That I'm not quite as sure about. But I, I, the, the price tag for Stastny being so high, like the 6.5 mil, I do think, you know, when you get you move Petrangelo in for Schmidt and Statsny and you get three and a half mil of cap space from that to go and use on whatever else, um, I think it does make you better. Yeah, they are, I, I shouldn't have been so hesitant there. They definitely are. There were some people talking about, like, are they at a point of diminishing returns with their driving play? But it's not like they were exactly the 07 Red Wings out there. Like, they, yeah. they are a dominant driving team, but it's not like – there's no universe in which Petrangelo isn't a huge ad at least next year. Yeah, you know, the more – and it's like it's not like Schmidt and uh, Statsny are young either. Schmidt's, what, 29 and Statsny's uh, uh, 34. 30. So, yeah, it's not like they're young by any means. But the past two years, uh, Petrangelo's put up 28 goals above replacement, Schmidt 18.3 and Statsny 8.5. So the two together are slightly below Petrangelo. And then you look at it as another, a roster spot with three and a half million cap space to use. You should be able to find someone to even add value there. And I think they're just kind of hoping Cody glass steps up and replaces uh, Paul Stastny 
uh, at center. Yeah. If, if Cody Glass is even a 3C, because you can still have Carlson and Stevenson getting carried by his wingers in the top six, they're absolutely better and you're not even blinking. I, yep. I don't know enough about Glass to know whether that's a great bet. It's not, possible. Like, people yeah, were high think, on him. I think it's a, I think it's a very good possibility. Um, you know, for a 3C especially. Like, maybe if you said he's got to be a 2C, it's like, okay, now – you're you're at least asking enough, but like I think just how given what he's shown in the past couple of years, I think three C is very doable. Yeah, especially when they're they've shown like with the defensemen who are passing him the puck and the strength on the wing they have. Like Yeah. I you know, maybe you couldn't have gotten rid of him, but I would have much rather see them move Alex Martinez. Now it's only one year compared to the four years for Nate Schmidt, so maybe that had something to do too. But I also just can't believe that they came out and said they're not moving Mark Andre Fleury. And again, maybe they just could, literally could not find any team to do so. But there's still like a million over the cap right now. Like they're nine hundred. They're gonna have to do like I'm assuming it's nine hundred k. So they could probably just send someone to the minors to start. But like they're gonna or do something. Is it just bite the bullet on Fleury? Maybe. Yeah, I guess. But, like, yeah, I don't know. Like, So I, tweeted, I texted you the other day, or yesterday, before the Schmidt trade happened, but after the Petrangelo signing had happened. And um, at that time, they were a million over – or, sorry, 300K over the cap for next year, 2021-22 already. I was like, that is, like, impressive. Um, they're under it now with the Schmidt, but they're still already projected 6 million cap hit next – or cap space next year with uh, three guys coming off the books, and that's it. So – yeah, like you better uh, like the roster because it's it's their roster. Yes, yeah, and I mean, great, good and, for them because I I do like their roster. So, yeah, I mean they're probably close to cup. Uh, let's check. They are in a three way tie for cup favorites with Tampa Bay and Colorado. Yeah, and that's kind of where I would have them. I think as well. So, yeah, them and Bo- that three and then Boston. Like there are four distinct cup favorites, and yeah. they are class above Boston probably. Like yep, I, I agree. think that top tier so yeah i guess run this roster hope they get hard at the right time because they're definitely good enough to win a cup yep um edmonton oilers uh this this one i i uh i i'm not sure how i feel about it i think uh the the asset mismanagement has been brutal from holland he traded away two seconds for athanasiu and they couldn't even manage to resign him that is bad that is bad i don't care how you cut it um, they bring back Mike Smith as their duo with Miko Koskinen because that worked out so well two years ago already. Why not bring him back at 38 now instead? You know what they say? If it is broke, don't fix it. Yeah. Like, I think Miko Koskinen's fine, but, like, I would much rather see them just keep Cam Talbot at $3.3 million. But they're so against the cap, they almost couldn't do that. They have seven hundred k to sign Ethan Bear. I, like, they're not going to be able to get that done right now. No, they're going to have to trade probably a depth forward. You would think, I mean, Clefbaum going on IR, maybe. Uh, they signed Tyson Berry one year, 3.75. This is actually, like, one of the only fits that made sense for Tyson Berry, in my opinion. A good cap hit. And with Clefbaum rumored to be out all season um, with a surgery that he's getting, Barry can step up and be the power play quarterback. Yeah, like, I think this is one of the only logical fits for Tyson Berry. I kind of joke that, like, if he doesn't fit with the Leafs, where the hell does he fit? But, like, at least he has a power play one shot. Yeah, like, with no other real option on this blue line. No, not at all. Oh, and it's a good thing they kept it short because of how many young defensemen they have. So he's not. Yeah, blocked. exactly. And he now has the possibility if he goes up, throws up seventy points, feeding the puck to McDavid and Drysaddle. I bet you some team gives him a four-year deal next offseason. 
somehow he's going to put up like 60 points this year and have like a 0.2 war. Yeah. And then there'll still be people in Toronto saying, see, no way they should have let him go. Yeah. They're going to pretend like it was all good when he was in Toronto, I'm sure. They also signed Kyle Turris two years, 1.65. I don't really understand the second year. It's not a big deal, but like when you're pressed against the cap, it's like, I'm fine with taking a bet on Kyle Turris. He looks kind of washed right now, but like, why two years? Yeah, I don't really know unless they think it's a it's a value. Maybe or maybe maybe he's in their expansion forward that they are going to expose. I guess. Yeah. But like, I don't know. Like that seems he really just has shown nothing the past couple of years to make me think that you know he's a guy you want to bet on for more than one year at a time. Yeah, he looks cooked and like he's not going to get top power play time there either. No, so um, I don't know. Like it probably upgrades their depth, but very very slightly if at all. Yeah, like he's playing two C. One of like if Nuge gets hurt, probably. Yeah, probably. Um, okay, Calgary. Uh, they had quite the off season. They lose TJ Brody. Uh, they pick up Chris Tanov at four point five for four years. I didn't like that signing very much. I think you would have been better just biting the bullet on the one extra mil for TJ Brody. Yeah, that's a terrible contract. At thirty years old, too, like. This free agency period was impressively reasonable, but this this might have been the worst contract signed. Yeah, like, I mean, you just compare them. Like, last year, Brody had nine goals above replacement. Tanev had two. Over the past two years, it's been uh, 18.8 to 6.3. Like, you look at their Rapham charts, I'm going to assume that one of them is very ha- ahead of the other one. Like, I don't, I don't get this one at all. I really don't get this one. Yeah, and, like, I hate to say the word injury-prone because, like, who knows? If you think you could actually predict injuries, you're wrong. But Chris Tanhev has literally never played a full season until last year at age 30. So, like, there's huge injury concerns there and a lot of hard miles on his body already. And he's already not worth $4.5 million, so it's only going to get worse. Yeah, man. I didn't realize that. I didn't realize how bad of an offseason this was. And then they signed Jacob Markstrom 6x6. Six six. That'll help their team right now. But, again, that's going to be a bad contract. Yep. Like, he's 30 years old. He's shown one elite season, one pretty good season, and a bunch of who knows what this guy is. Yeah. I, I'm very worried that, like, like if he peaked in his age 29 to 30 season and he's just never that guy again, would anybody be surprised? No, not at all. Um, you know, and I mean, even if he's a st- if he's the fifteenth best goalie at six million dollars for two or three years, you're not complaining. But it's when you get to twenty three, twenty four, twenty four, twenty five, twenty five, twenty six, where he's thirty four, thirty five, thirty six, where I'm really concerned for them. Yeah, like the first two years should be good, should be somewhere from fine to a true value contract, and then the bottom four, final four, get really dicey really quickly. Yeah, um, and you know they're on their decor. They're really betting on just twenty-three-year-olds being better to uh, adjust for Giordano's regression. I'm assuming because Hannafin, Rasmus Anderson, Yusuf Valimaki, and Oliver Kylington are all twenty-three or twenty-two. So I'm assuming their hope on the blue line is just hope these guys take a step up as uh, whatever step up they need. So where Giordano takes a step back, you know? Yeah, because Giordano presumably at least getting somewhat worse from the aging curve and then losing Brody. Like that's an ugly blue line pretty quick. Yeah. So I don't, I don't know this team, I think their goal. I, I think they got better this year just from the goaltending standpoint alone, but their overall roster took a huge hit going forward. And also just like 
that Chris Tanner contract, I, I am shocked that they couldn't find an extra million dollars for TJ Brody. And who knows, maybe he didn't want to come back, but like it was half a million dollars. Like it's literally you're 500 K less for just a guy who is so clearly worse than TJ Brody. Yeah, I think Brody said he liked how the because in the Cadre deal, like the Leafs tried to acquire Brody, but Cadre nixed it if I remember correctly. Yeah. So he said he liked how the Leafs were trying to get him and disliked how Calgary was trying to shop him. Which, like, I can see how as a player you would be offended by that. So maybe he just didn't want to come back. Yeah, it's possible, but that's a bad downgrade. That's brutal. Yeah, although huh. if Markstrom's eat like above league average, I could see this team getting back to two years ago where they're very competitive and surprising to people. Yes, if they get legitimate, like, or, you know, especially if they get, like, even, like, if they get close to the what Markstrom was last year, uh, this game will be, uh, or this team will be good, they, you know. Yeah. So, like, even if their long-term future uh, is hurt, you know, they, they will be very set, set up for one year at least. But um, for, they have an easy path to the third best team in the division. Yes, and so we're going to get to another team. So the, the last four teams, I don't think we're going to talk about too, too much, but Vancouver I have a lot of thoughts on as well. Um, so the big news out of there was they managed to lose every single free agent they had. Um, Markstrom, Tanev, Stetcher, and Toffoli all walk, um, and they still need to figure out Vertanen. They, they pick up Nate Schmidt at 5.95 for five years. Uh, I think it's okay. Uh, that contract could look kind of gross by the end, just like every 30-year-old contract is, but I would rather take a risk with that than the Chris Tanev contract that we just saw him get. So, Yes, absolutely. Uh, and then to replace Markstrom, they get Braden Holby at two years, 4.3. Again, like, it's not the worst bet in the world. Um, this is better. This is a much better contract than I thought some team was going to give Holby. I really thought he was going to get like a 5 by 7 or something like that. True. Although, if you told someone that they were going to get a goalie who had an 897 last year and it was going to cost them 4.3 million, they would like spit out whatever they're drinking and laugh in your face. Yeah, yeah, that's true. That's very true. Um, I don't like. There's upside with Holby, I guess, because he was good. Like, what is it? Four years ago now? Three years he ago? He was now? a lead four years ago, and he was just like even three years ago in that Cup run, he was very, very good. And then on the two years ago, he just eh. going into the playoffs. Yeah, but I mean that's right. But then he got when he came in, he was like half the not half the reason they won, but he was like amazing when he actually got put in. True, but it's been like 150 regular season games. Yeah, was, like I think their goaltending. There's worse bets to be made, but like if you're just guaranteeing that they're going to be good, that you're that's a bit of a risk for sure. Yeah. At, like, so it, it goes past the Hughes deal, right? That's why I don't like it. Uh, no. It's Well, it's the, up the same uh, – yeah, it's up the same – no, it, Hughes needs to be signed, and then the year after that he'll be up. So it has yeah. one year into the Hughes deal. We're but also probably- Edler, Edler will be done when the Hughes deal. Barchi will be done. Sutter and Tanner Pearson will both be done. And you'll have one year of Louis Erickson you can maybe move. Yeah, true. A lot of the dead money does come up then, but – yeah, and I say Luongo's deal. I know he's got the one more. That, that Luongo thing is killer. Spooner's uh, one million will be off the books for the buyout, though. So I don't know. I, I think it's it's not the worst movie you could have made. It's definitely not the best either. But like, what I don't get is so many people were absolutely losing their mind. I think Jim Benning takes a lot of shit, and rightfully so. He has done an intro. I don't think like I think it was Gordon Miller from TSN who was. Someone was asking if his job was going to be on the line after this offseason. He said, no, he's done a great job building a young core there. You shouldn't get credit for lucking into having five picks in the top ten five years in a row. 
Like, because he was trying to be good. And, but this team has just been, they were the worst team for four years. Like over the span of three or four years, they had the least amount of wins and maybe points. And that includes like the tanking Buffalo teams. Yeah. And like, basically to give, um, cute to like, to give him a lot of credit, you have to assume that it was only him who would have been competent, confident enough to take Pedersen and Hughes as if like every Canucks nations, like nerd style blog didn't have those guys both going higher than five and seven or whatever it was. Like it yeah, wasn't but- some galaxy brain play. It was good players fell to him that everybody who paid attention and looks at some statistics knew, and he just took them. Yeah, Which especially with the Hughes, especially with the Hughes one, and the Pedersen one too. There was a part of the scouting community is like, this guy has the potential to be the best player in the draft. But like, like Manny's model had him as best player of the draft. I'm pretty sure because he was like the highest scoring defenseman to come or forward to come out of his league since Peter Forsberg. And yeah. shocker, good. But if the baseline of making a, if the baseline of keeping your job in the NHL is not screwing up four first round picks. And I think he, like, I don't know if he drafted for tandem, but that's a screw-up right there. You know, like the um, – uh, who's their defenseman as well? Um, Ole Levy as well. Like, that's a massive screw-up right there too. You know, and I'm trying to make sure that, they, yeah, draft year 2016. So, like, yeah, like, it's not even that he's just this draft guru because even the guys, like, I would say, sure, Besser and Horvat are both pretty good picks. I don't even think Horvat was his, though. 2013, also, that would have been, uh, what's his name still, I think. But, like, even if you want to hit in the first round, it's not like they have a bunch of studs coming from later rounds or anything like that. No, he also, like, aggressively tried to trade up for the Aaron Ekblad pick, which is not exactly the first overall pick that a scouting – like, ideally your genius scout would pick a better first overall pick to have tried to trade up for. Yeah, I don't think it's just, like – the baseline is just so low. Like if the baseline for building a good core is taking two guys who half the scouting world knew you needed, well, especially he, like the Hughes one, I don't pretend like not even going to pretend to be that much of a prospect guy. Even I knew when Hughes was falling every, and then he got picked. Everyone was like, cause Vancouver was debating with trading that pick. And they're like, yeah. And then Hughes fell right into our lap. We're like, never mind, We have to take this guy. So it's like when it's that obvious. And even then he still trades a first way for like JT Miller. It's like, I don't think that's good roster building. Like, it worked out fine, but it's like, again, it got you to game seven of the second round where you got absolutely shelled all series and had no business being there. But my original point was more that, like, I don't think, I think he takes the right amount of shit, but people are also giving him, like, saying that he needs to be fired for this weekend. And this is one of the only times I'm okay defending him. You did not need to sign that TANF deal. You did not need to sign that Jacob Markstrom deal. The Toffoli one, I don't really get. That's one you probably should have been able to sign. But the – and then the um, the stature deals, whatever. So it's like that's where I don't really get why people were screaming about it this weekend. But maybe it's just years of frustration pent up, and that's more understandable to me than anything else. Yeah, I think that's probably it. It's just pure frustration. Because, like, he's Which not is- a good GM. It's just, like, the moves he made this weekend isn't the reason he's not a good GM. No, and it's also, like, endlessly amusing to me that – some like some people genuinely cannot possibly believe that just because you did things wrong, you can get good results. Yeah, people, like people just cannot process that. Yeah, well, it's the same with like it's not maybe not the same, but like um, it kind of reminds me of uh, what's happening with the Buffalo Bills and Josh Allen this year, where it's like 
Um, last night aside, as we're recording this, he had a bit of a stinker game, but the first four weeks he's been dynamite and all the Bills fans are like, see, we told you he's good. It's like, well, no, like just because he's good now doesn't mean that the bad results were still bad results last year. Like that doesn't erase it, you know? Yeah, like you can both have been bad and be good right now. Those two things are very possibly true at the same time. Exactly. So it's just like if Vancouver takes another step forward, or not even a step forward, but it's like if the team as a whole looks better because like um, – uh, uh, what do you call it? Um, Pedersen and then and Hughes just take another step forward. Like, yeah, sure, that uh, – that seems reasonable enough to me, you know, but it's just like, that doesn't mean that the process to get there was good. Yeah, exactly. And even like the Pedersen thing, like as much as I, I will go to my grave being like, it wasn't that genius of a pick because people who pay are paid $0 an hour to work on prospect stuff were like, Hey, this guy has way more upside than anyone else in the draft. And all sorts of them said it. There's still a lot of luck involved in that too. Yeah. No kidding. And like, yeah, I don't know. I, I just, like, it's insane to me that he's he's hailed as this draft guru. It's like, okay, he's had – I can name on, like, my one hand how many good picks they've had, and they've all been in the first round. And then outside of that, it's like, I guess Niels Hoglander looks pretty good. But other than that, it's like there's not a lot of names that just scream off the page to you. Yeah, I believe – Jet Wu – like, I believe people were talking about how their draft last year was fantastic. But, yeah, like, yeah. You, you probably, if you're this bad at pro scouting – it's pretty like it can cost you a lot of good draft picks anyway. So, well, and it's, and that's, but it's not even like, it's just, yeah, I don't know. Like he doesn't seem like that much better of a drafter than everyone else to me. And he does everything else literally so freaking horribly. Oh yeah. He's bad at like nine tenths of the job. Yeah. Like he doesn't sign good contracts. He doesn't make good trades. Their pro scouting is questionable. I would say <laughs> like a very generous way of putting it. Yeah, like I don't like they they identify guys like Tyler Toffoli, but then they let him go for nothing. Like I just I don't I don't know I don't get it. Like uh, yeah, a deal and whatnot, right? Like yeah. So I don't know. That, that's enough said I think on them for today, but yeah. Uh, yeah. Overall, I I don't think their free agency period is as as bad as people are making it sound like. That's for sure. No, as as a general rule, just not signing anyone in free agency is like a plus EV play. Yeah, exactly. Um, okay, Arizona Coyotes. Uh, I think this is a team we won't touch too much on because they didn't do much of anything. They're still looking to offload salary, if I'm not mistaken. So I would be a little surprised if their name doesn't come up again um, in a few in an episode in the next couple weeks. Yeah, they're over the uh, cap already, I'm pretty sure. Um... They've, uh, yeah, they're two mil over, so they need to move some money out, which is fine. This is a bad roster, dude. Like, if if they they are in such a bad spot, like they may as well just bite the bullet. But like, if they move Kemper without their first round pick this year, I could see them being San Jose slash Ottawa three point oh. Yep, a hundred percent. Like they're they're bad. They can't be done though. No, no, I, I think they are going to go on a fire sale here yet today, uh, this, this offseason. As soon as they can figure out, you know, as soon as teams figure out if they have money left, like I could see Derek Stepan getting moved, maybe a retained salary or something like that. Or like even if they start the year with this core or something, come trade deadline time, I could see this just being like 
Goligoski gone, Jarmelson gone, like Demers gone. I could see every one of those guys being on the blog. A hundred percent. And they signed Johan Larson. I guess that was nice, but at very least they're in a grave right now with a shovel and they didn't keep digging in free agency. Yeah, exactly. So, um, yeah, look for them to shed salary. Uh, three teams out in the West. Uh, let's start with the Anaheim Ducks. Um, another team that, um, man, like the, the, I, LA at least has a, a few, like LA, the, the Kopitar and Doughty contracts look bad, but at least you can see in two or three years where their path forward is because they really have a great forward core. This is a team where it's like, okay, like you have a couple prospects who haven't maybe panned out, but they have some name value still, but it's like, where are you going with this team? Like they don't have a second goalie right now. It's just John Gibson on the main roster. They signed Kevin Shattenkirk to a three-year deal at $4 million which like doesn't make much sense to me for either side. And then yeah. they just didn't do much, didn't do much else. Yeah. They, I think you know, they're just like, accepting they're going to be bad, which I, they, I guess, but like you're accepting that with John Gibson in that. So like, I don't know if it's like guaranteed you're going to be that bad. No, they're, they, he raises their floor by a lot. And yeah, like the, the Kevin Shattenkirk, like if you told me going into the offseason he was going to sign a 3 by 3.9, I would be like, that's a great contract by whoever signed it. It was one of the only teams that I could be like, why the hell did either of them want this? Yeah, like it's just like you think, I don't mean, maybe, you know, like I, I, I don't know. I, I hate uh, assuming that, you know, because we don't know a ton about the negotiation, but it's like you think a, a better team than this could have given Shattenkirk this, but maybe he just wants to go play away from the spotlight for a couple of years. I, I don't know. Yeah, and like Anaheim, by all accounts, is a nice place to live. Like, and Yeah, I'd want to go. I'd be okay living in Cali. Yeah, so like there, there are upside to it. He is going to be paid way more than $4 million to be paid, play hockey in Anaheim next year, so. Yeah, um, uh, the Kings, again, not much to talk about. They uh, picked up Ole Mata. I think we talked about that in a recent episode. Um, other than that, they didn't do much. They had a really solid draft by all things considered. You know, they're going to add uh, Byfield to this lineup next year. And honestly, like, this is a team that literally this past year, we were like, this is a team I would not want to touch. They're getting close to one of the teams that I think I could, you know, reasonably be willing to take over, at least see that they have somewhat of a future coming up. Yeah, exactly. All they have. So like um, I just said with the Canucks or whatever, staying out of free agencies on average, like a plus EV play, they already have their bad contracts that are going to be in effect by the time their prospects are up. So they can't afford to sign another like Louis Erickson style contract. So just absolutely fantastic that they didn't sign a big contract that sucked. Yep, and like they're kind of like the Doughty one's going to be disgusting. We all know that. Um, but like even then, so like there seems to be like an obvious set where it's like if they start integrating some prospects this year and next year, by the time in three years from there, you're going to have six mil of Dustin Brown, five point two of uh, Jeff Carter, uh, three point three of Olimata. Like those are all going to be off the books. You have one more year at five point eight of Quick. So there's a legitimate like progression path there where like you see the bad veterans get like leave. And those uh, young, exciting rookies can take over for him too. So that's good. And I mean, like, Kopitar's got four more years. So maybe probably by the fourth year of that contract, they might be wanting some cap space. But it's like they have such little else on the book that, like, they are in a much better position than they were a year or two ago. Yeah, like, they can just keep biting the bullet. They have tons of picks, I think. 
They have one from Toronto. Yep, they have uh, two seconds, two thirds, and two fourths this year. So, like, they don't have like a ton, a ton, but they have uh, all their picks and then three extras in the top, or two, uh, two, three, and four. So that's good. Yeah, like they're in a position where they're going to go out and be bad, and that is exactly what they want. Yep. Um, yeah, like this is like I, I think it was uh, oh who was tweeting about it the other day. Someone was. Uh, talking about how um, they were comparing these guys to the, the Hawks because someone tweeted out just saying, oh, well, that's the price of doing uh, business for the Hawks, you know? Um, and someone quoted, it was Yolo uh, uh, Pinato. Yeah, he, he quote tweeted, he was like, well, not really. Uh, you might want to move a little closer to your mic, by the way. Um, okay. He, uh, he quote tweeted, he was like, not really. Like, L.A., Yes, they have some gross contracts, but they have the one of the most exciting cores or uh, prospect pools, like literally top three in the league right now. Um, Boston is still in a cup window, and they have been for a decade. And then Pittsburgh is, you know, closing off a cup window, but they're still there considering they've won four years ago, you know? Like, it's like Chicago's been more incompetent than anything else. And it's like, yeah, like we talk about how, how hard it might be for Chicago to rebuild, but like literally you just sell some of your um, fringe guys, like, and suddenly you have a not good team and you can have three years near the basement where you pick up a bunch of good prospects. Yeah, exactly. Like in, so both Chicago and LA have had missteps, but like, again, a whole bunch of people paid $0 an hour to talk about hockey on Twitter have all basically saw every one of those missteps coming. Like it's pretty easy to get out of your own way. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So I'm, um, yeah, I don't, I, I really liked what, uh, what LA did this off season. Um, and then, okay. Last team, San Jose, this has probably been a real long episode. Definitely, definitely over an hour, probably close to an hour and a half. Um, didn't do a ton, uh, signed Patrick Marlowe again, which I, I don't know if he has much left to give dude. Uh, he looked cooked in Pittsburgh. Yeah. He's probably going to be bad and it's going to be sad watching him be that bad. Cause he looked cooked in Toronto and that feels like forever ago now. So, yeah, uh, Kevin LeBlanc got a contract, four years, 4.725 per. Good for him, you know, much better than that stupid one-year, one-mill deal he took last year. Um, feels like a pretty good fit for both sides. Yeah, it's already gets paid to live in San Jose. He can be a part. He can be there when the team's good again, probably. Yeah, I I think this team will rebound a little more than people expect, but their goaltending scares me a lot still, too, so I could see them. But, like, if Eric Carlson's healthy – and, you know, Brent Burns doesn't have to be amazing, but if he just scores a few more goals than they did, like, he got a little unlucky last year, but, like, that, I could see, a, and Couture and Kane and Meyer all stay healthy. I see a, a reasonable avenue where this team is, like, the 23rd best team in the league and not bottom three. Yeah, and it's also maybe not the worst thing to be, like, vaguely competitive instead of a complete train wreck. Yeah, I don't know. Like, I, a top pick for this team could probably be pretty useful. Like, uh, I don't know. We'll see. They have a lot of guys they could sell off if things go wrong, too, just for, you know, short little deals. So we'll see what happens with them. Yeah, but they, they basically don't have the option of being, like, Detroit bad. So they're going to like they're gonna be at least competitive no matter what. Well, dude, Martin Jones and Devin Dumick is your two goaltenders. Anything possible. But, look at, but Detroit needed Jimmy Howard to be bad and their roster to look like that to be I guess, but, like – yeah, I yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I wouldn't. I, they won't be like quite that bad, but I, I think there's a, a very easy avenue to see them be bottom three again this year. But there's also an easy enough avenue where they're closer to playoffs than people expect. Yeah, that's fair. They have the same cup odds as the Canadians. 
which that that seems I, I would take that as much as I think the Habs are so mediocre. I would take the Habs pretty much every day before the Sharks. Yeah, that's that's kind of wild to me. Yeah. Um, well, I think that's pretty much it. Uh, solid, almost. I think that's got to be close to an hour and a half, hour forty-five. This will probably be one of our longer episodes ever. But uh, I hope everyone enjoyed. I hope you guys learned a thing or two. Or if you agree or disagree with us, let us know. As always, you can find me on Twitter at NHL Sends and stuff, Chase at CM Hockey 66. You can find both Chase and I at lastwordonhockey.com and me at milehighhockey.com. Thank you everyone for listening, and we will talk to you all next week.